Welcome to this podcast by City Point Church, Redcliffe. We are so happy you could join us and pray that the following message will encourage and empower you. Glorious mess. Well, it's, it's, a, it's, a, weird, it's a weird title, isn't it? Um, especially because we just came out of God's standard and it feels like it's like, is this kind of, is this the opposite? Are we, we're not, we're not glorifying the mess. I just want to clarify that we're not glorifying the mess. We're actually trying to show that we want to glorify God and that God will be glorified of, out of any situation that we find ourselves in. That's, that's the, that's the, the hit phrase of this, this, um, this series we're doing in church. And so I, I love this because, um, life is really messy. We're all finding ourselves in some form. Messy's kind of like, I'm not messy. All the really tidy people are like, I'm not messy. Have you seen my house? <laughs> right? That's kind of like Pastor Sam. The house is spotless. I think the carpets shine in your house as well. But we all, we all kind of find ourselves in some form of a messy situation. Um, but I just, I really believe that this, um, this series, but I believe it was just put on my heart that as Christians, we're called to a new era to find an, a, a confidence in God that no matter what season, no matter what circumstance comes our way, that we're standing on Christ and we are victors and more than conquerors because of Jesus Christ. And no matter what comes our way, that that is the foundation that we always stand on, no matter what the storm or fire or goodness that comes around in our life, that that is what we always fall back onto. So let's turn to Romans 8. This is my favorite passage. I love this passage. Romans 8, 26 to 39. Have we got it up there? All right, you ready? You got your Bibles? Like, I don't use it, but I just felt like I had to bring it with me, right? Who's got one of these? Who's got one of these big, thick ones? You need, if you don't have one of these, see somebody at the Yes Bar, and we will arrange for you to get a, like, we're calling them analog Bibles, okay? All right? In the same way, the Spirit comes to us and helps us in our weakness. We do not know what prayer to offer or how to offer it as we should, but the Spirit himself knows our need and at the right time intercedes on our behalf with sighs and groanings too deep for words. I don't know if you've ever been in that situation where you just have nothing to say. And he who searches the hearts knows what the mind of the Spirit is because the Spirit intercedes before God on behalf of God's people, us, in accordance with God's will. Here's the star verse. And we know with great confidence that God, who is deeply concerned about us, causes all things, everybody say all things, to work together as a plan for good for those who love God, to those who are called according to his plan and purpose. For those whom he foreknew and loved and chose beforehand, he also predestined to be conformed in the image of his son and ultimately share in his complete sanctification. You still with me? So that he would be the firstborn, the most beloved and honored among many believers, us, and those whom he predestined, he also called. That's a nice feeling. And those whom he called, he also justified, declared free of the guilt of sin. And those whom he justified, he also glorified. Glorious mess, you see that? See how that's coming in? Raising them to a heavenly dignity. What then shall we say to these things, to all these things? For if God is for us, who can be successful against us? This is the good bit. Oh, I love this bit. He who did not spare even his own son, but gave his son, Jesus, up for us all, how will he not also, along with him, graciously give us all things? All things. You say it again? All things. Who will bring any charge against God's elect, his chosen ones, us? It is God who justifies us, declaring us blameless and putting us in the right relationship with himself. Who is the one who condemns us? 
Nobody. I'm just going to say it. Christ Jesus is the one who died to pay our penalty. And more than that, who raised from the dead and who is at the right hand of God interceding with the Father for us. Who shall ever separate us from the love of Christ? Will tribulation or distress or persecution or famine or nakedness or danger or sword? Just as it is written and forever remains, for your sake we are put to death all day long. Not such a fun bit, but that's all right. We'll keep going. We are regarded as sheep for the slaughter. Yet, in all things, all these things, we are more than conquerors and gain an overwhelming victory through him who loved us. So much that he died for us. Are you getting this yet? For I am convinced and continue to be convinced beyond any doubt that neither death nor life nor angels nor principalities nor things present nor threatening nor things come nor powers nor height nor depth nor any other thing in creation will be able to separate us from the unlimited love of God which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. You feeling that tonight? <laughs> Uh, just recently, I don't know if anyone's um, had the, bat, the second bout of the flu. Anyone, anyone had just like the first stage of the flu? Don't, don't put your hands up. It's fine. <laughs> I know some people have. Um, a lot of people have, right? Uh, the worst bit is um, the random gastro bugs that have been going through church. If you, uh, disclaimer, if you have a weak stomach, maybe just plug your ears for a little bit. <laughs> just a little bit. Um, so I thought, I was like, sweet. All these other families in church, including our amazing friends, the Smiths, the VDPs. In fact, I think they just got hit again. Yikes. Pray for them. Seriously, right now, just pray for them. Jesus, we pray for that, for Chelsea and Chaz. Cover them in the name of Jesus. Um, and I was like, sweet, we're in the clear. Porters are good. We're good. Sanitizing our hands like 73 times a day. Washing, scrubbing, everything right. And just, just recently, I was like, yeah, we're in the clear. This is good. Just kind of, you know, finished work for the week. Haven't really had any, uh, any signs. I get home, and my beautiful wife, uh, she goes, so Peyton said her belly's kind of hurting. I was like, she's fine. She's fine. <laughs> Have dinner. She starts complaining about her stomach. I'm like, she's fine. Just claim the blood of Jesus. Psalm 91. We're good. A hedge of protection. We're good. We're good. We're not getting gastro in this family. Uh, and then she complains again. I'm like, she's fine. Maybe she's just kind of, you know, just thinking she's feeling sick. And I'm totally in denial at this point. Uh, anyway, she kind of has a cough and a little little bit. And I'm like, oh, it's fine. She just kind of choked on her food. Again, still heavily in denial. <laughs> and I was like, we're good. She's totally fine. She's like, oh, no, I'm okay. Like, I'm trying to convince her she's okay. Uh, anyway... My wife goes out for a, a church event, and I stay home with the kids, and I'm calling a couple people. Um, before Nicola left, she was like, you need to maybe just put a bowl with her just in case. I'm like, no, no, no. Where's your faith? We got to have faith. It's fine. <laughs> it's like, like heavily in denial, right? And Megan's laughing because she's got four kids. Um, anyway, so about 7 o'clock hits, um, and I'm putting, putting her down to, to sleep, and she complains, Daddy, my belly really hurts. And I'm like, ugh. You're fine, you're fine, you're fine. I did it again. Like, you're fine. And then I'm kind of going out, about ready to make these phone calls. I'm like, maybe I should go put a bowl in. Maybe I'll just do it. Just suck it up. It's fine. Like, I'll just put one in there. Not going to need it. Um, make a couple phone calls. I'm thinking, I really need to go put that bowl in there. Made, made another one. Then I hear the imminent sound of regurgitational danger. And I knew it was definitely too late to take a bowl. <laughs> I said, oh, I should have listened to my beautiful wife. I go into the hall, right? Dark room. I'm so, this is the disclaimer. This is the bit. If you got a weak stomach, I go into the room. Go into the room. I can see it before I turn the lights on. 
<laughs> it's a bad sign. My daughter is on the second, she's, she's on the top bunk. Turn the lights on. My son is just totally asleep. It's on the floor. It's on the top layer of the, the barrier of the bunk bed. All down that, all down the side, it's all over my poor four-year-old little girl, beautiful little girl covered in this. I don't need to describe it. Um, she's crying. It's just, it, 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 everything is coming everywhere. And I'm just looking at this going, there's literally nothing I could do right now. I just kind of have to like let her finish. Uh, and she starts crying. And I'm like, oh my gosh, I literally can't do anything. I love you. Don't touch me. Um, <laughs> <it's> like, <laughs> I'm a good dad, all right? She was still, she was still going. Uh, it's literally everywhere. Like there was, it was like my son's arm. He was dead asleep. Like my daughter is screaming at this point. He's dead asleep and like next to him. I had to change his bed too because it landed on his bed. Anyway, she finished. I take my poor little, beautiful little girl, put her in the shower. I go back into the room, very, very filled with uh, courage and bravery. Um, I put a mask on. Um, I just did. Just I think it helped my mind. My point that I'm saying is my little girl sitting there, four years old, and she looks to me when she's in this moment, and she goes, Daddy, I think I'm sick. <laughs> like, you are definitely sick, sweetheart. You're definitely sick. You are definitely in a mess, totally incapable of sorting out. And so I take my daughter, and I put her in the shower, wash her, cover her, and I feel like this was the most beautiful moment that God just said, this was you and your sin. This was you, totally you didn't have the skill set, you didn't have the power or authority to wash yourself, totally covered, distraught in emotions, confusion, going, why am I sick? She said that, why is this happening, Dad? I'm going, I have no idea, blame Yekka. Um, like, and, but she's this four-year-old girl having no idea what to do with herself. And I'm the only one that was able to help her, take her that, cover the sheets, do all of that. She would not have the skill set or the mental capacity to be able to take care of her mess. And I find myself just reflecting, going, this is the situation we are as Christians um, and non-Christians, before and after going, we actually have zero power to help our own mess. And it's only through Jesus. And the, the thing that I really want you to understand is going, I love this statement, a friend of mine going through a crazy situation that he had no control over in his, his life and his marriage. And, um, and he made this statement, he said, God is victory. He said, that's who he is. In a situation that he was not victorious in, apart from who he was, to be able to make that statement. And so I want you to know that tonight, that God is victory. I love verse 37. No, despite all these things, we are more than conquerors and gain an overwhelming victory through him who loved us. So much that he died for us. I love this phrase, is overwhelming victory. It's not like, yeah, we won the football game. It's like, you ever been to one of those games or watched a game, probably the last, you know, that eight years of Queensland beating New South Wales? It's overwhelming victory, right? It's just, you can't deny it. Like, it's that moment when the, the coach says to like, you know, like get the third string guy to go give him a, give him a crack because we're winning so good. Get, let, let, let Bobby Ray in, you know, I'm going Southern on you. Um, let Bobby Ray go in. Actually, let the water boy go in as well because... Yeah, and I'm convinced that he's going to score a try as well because we're winning so much that he, everyone's going to get a chance at scoring. Anyone been in one of those games or seen one of those? It's this overwhelming victory. I love that statement. So tonight as I, as I talk, I, I don't want to polarize someone who's in a, a, a position where you might feel like a victim to those who are living in this and feeling victorious. I don't want to polarize anybody here, but I rather want to kind of draw a map 
for a lifestyle change and allow the Word of God to kind of shine a light on your path and the, and the circumstance you're in, all right? So I know that there's situations that you cannot help. There's situations that you got yourself into, but both, I believe, the Word of God that you will be victorious through all of them. For all have sinned and fall short of God's glorious standard, yet God and His grace freely makes us right in His sight. He did this through Christ Jesus when He freed us from the penalty of our sins, our mess. The other thing I want you to know is that victory is actually a choice. I love Pastor Carolina said this, you know, this morning when she was talking about this, this glorious mess as well, is going, there's choices you have to make uh, in order to speak out and see, and see the victory, to be in that position of God going, I'm in a situation, but I'm choosing to declare the goodness of God. I'm choosing to walk in His victory, and that's a choice. It's a difficult one, but also on one hand, it's kind of easy because you either stay in the mess or you choose to walk in God's plan and His purpose. And so there's two, I kind of was going over this idea as I'm quickly going to talk about these. I could talk about them all night. Is there's a couple of stories in the Bible that really stood out to me about a, a mess that was able to then glorify God and that turned all things for good. And the first one was Samson. Do you know the story of Samson? So I'm going to give you a, a quick recap is just so you can understand that there's these two types. So Samson basically was destined to save Israel from the Philistines. That was his calling, like an angel of the Lord came to his parents and said, this is what your son's going to do. He's going to be amazing. He's practically Superman, um, and he's going to save the, the Israelites. Um, pretty cool. He continually stuffs it up in his own pride and his own uh, nature. He just, did, he just constantly did the wrong thing, but God's favor was still on him. God's calling on his life was still on him. He, he messed around with prostitutes. He, he, was, he was angry, and he killed 30 guys just so he could make up for, um, for his gambling problem that he made. He'll bet with some people. Like, I don't know about anybody in here, but 30 people is pretty hectic um, just because you lost a bet. Um, yeah, uh, it goes on. He does so many different things. It gets right down. He, he continually fails and fails, and his strength comes from his hair, as we know. Or if you don't, it's a story in the Bible. And so he gets in this position with Delilah, right? Right at the end of the story. It's Judges 13 to 16. If you want to read it, go home, read it. Judges 13 to 16. Um, and so he gets right down to this, and, and he's not supposed to cut his hair ever, because that's where his strength comes from. Um, well, obviously it's from God, but that's what God told him, not to cut your hair, because I'll keep your strength with you. So he gets right down to it, and this lady, Delilah's nagging at him, and he's kind of playing jokes on her and lying to her, and she's asking, give me your strength, give me your strength, um, I want to know because she's been bribed by the leaders, the Philistine leaders, so that they can kill him and capture him. Eventually, he gets tired of her nagging, and she swoons him, uh, and he tells this lady, Delilah, sweet little Delilah, <laughs> she's not sweet, all right? <laughs> Somebody's like, I'm going to name my daughter Delilah. <laughs> um, sorry, <laughs> sorry to read that. <laughs> um, long story short, he tells her, she cuts his hair, takes the money from the Philistines. They capture him, take him back, and he becomes a slave to them. He's just doing work for them with no strength, mind you. That would be awful to do all that work without Superman's strength. Anyway, right towards the end, this, this very end, this is the most glorious, amazing thing. If you're finding yourself in a position of life where you're making decisions that are making a messy lifestyle, that God's calling on Samson was still true, because right at the end of his life, he asks God, can I have my strength one last time? Will you give me your 
calling one last time. Will you give me what you've destined for me just one more time? And in front of all of the, the leaders, they were mocking him and making fun of him and doing all these different things. And in one moment, he had the greatest victory of his entire life because he destroyed them all in one hit when God gave him his strength and he crushed them in the temple. And so God, in his failure, his mess, God was able to put him in a position of completely destroying the Philistines. God's glory will always come out. Amen? So this, you may, you may relate to that. Maybe addictions and maybe whatever situation you might find yourself in. The other one is, I love this, and um, we've got a song prepared for you that has this line in it. It's Joseph. I love this, right? Because he, he just didn't do anything wrong, and he just had so much happen to him in life. So much. It says after, so it gets right down to the end of it. If, if you've heard the story of Joseph, read it. It's in Genesis. But anyway, he, he gets sold as a slave. Then he gets accused of rape. Then he gets, so he's thrown in prison for a long time. He comes back out, gets put into position of the prime minister of Egypt. So if you know the story, you've heard it. And I love this. Right at the end, his, his brothers who put him into slavery are fearing that once Jacob, their father, died, that now, now Joseph's going to crack it up and go, cool, I'm going to check you as slaves now because of what you did when I was a kid. But he says this. After, after burying Jacob, Joseph returned to Egypt with his brothers and all who had accompanied him after his father's burial. But now that their father was dead, Joseph's brothers became fearful. Now Joseph will show his anger and pay us back for the wrong that we did to him. So they sent a message to Joseph before your father died. He instructed us, 17, to say to you, or 17, to say to you, please forgive your brothers for the great wrong they, they did to you. For their sin is treating you so cruelly. So we, the servants of the God of your father, beg you to forgive our sin. I love this. When Joseph received the message, he broke down and wept. I don't know about you, but I've always missed that bit. It says to me that Joseph was carrying that for a really, really long time. God used him, but he also was in prison for years. He also was accused of rape when he was finally getting out of a bad situation of slavery. He still, held, he still had that hurt from, from his, his brothers that sold him. He still had something going on internally. He still had emotions, even though God was using him. To me, it just says, this is, Joseph was just a man like us. that We still have things in our heart. He broke down and wept because God broke it off of his life. Then his brothers came and threw themselves down before Joseph. Look, we are your slaves. Pretty crazy turn of events, huh? But Joseph replied, don't be afraid of me. Am I God that I can punish you? Wow. You intended to harm me, but God intended it for good. He put me in this position to save you. And I believe that there's so many different situations we can find ourselves in. And the, the one thing that I, I would love... To hear from, from as, as a leader or as a pastor, I've seen a lot of different situations. I've walked through them in my, my own life as well. And that This is a hard thing to, to hear, a hard thing for me to say, but there's circumstances that your mess may or may not be your fault, but how you choose to live is your responsibility. I didn't choose to grow up in a broken home but how I choose to live outside of that, how I choose to walk in the things I declare of God, that's my responsibility. I can't blame my father and my mother for their broken marriage. 
There's a lot of things that the world says, yeah, but that's their fault. That's their fault. Yeah, it was. But now the way I go and the way I lead my family is my responsibility. So I know this is a sensitive thing uh, when there's, there's so many different things that go wrong in our, in our world. We live in a fallen world, a broken world. But to have that responsibility over the life that God has given you is a really powerful, powerful thing. I wanted to talk on faith because I feel like it says, you know, so how do I, how do I choose to do that? You know, how do I, how do I go, I'm going to take responsibility of my life. I'm going to believe God for the, for the miraculous. I'm going to believe God for the supernatural, for the, the way maker. Yeah? Promise keeper. What was the other one I totally blanked? Waymaker. Like, no, I missed one. Waymaker. Miracle worker. Gosh, what is wrong with me? Miracle worker. We sing these things. And we struggle sometimes to believe them because of the situations that we may find ourselves in, the mess that maybe we made or the mess somebody else made around our lives. And those, those phrases can become difficult. And I believe that it's faith that helps us to say them. It's faith that helps us to declare them. And I got a really cool statement. You know, it's Hebrews uh, 11. It says, faith shows the reality of what we hope for and the evidence of the things we cannot see. Faith isn't a magical formula that would get you exactly what you want, when you want it, and how you want it. So it's not like Peter Pan and little pixie dust that you can just kind of sprinkle over your little man bun and, you know, wish for amazing things that happen, right? I wish I could grow a man bun, but that's right. <laughs> By the way, Mark's hair is so cool, right? Gosh. He's been growing that for like two years so it can look that amazing. Anyway, sorry. Looks good. You rock. But the Greek word, uh, okay, so I'm going to try and say this without getting in trouble. Um, so the Greek word for faith and this is really amazing. I've learned this over the past uh, few months, and it's just totally changed my world, right? So we, 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 we put so much uh, pressure on this word faith in, in, in Christianity, faith, faith in Jesus, faith for the, for the miracle, faith for everything, right? It's, it's, that's, that's what we stand on, right? Faith, hope, and love. It's a huge part of, of who we are, right? And faith, I love this. Do we have it there? Yeah, try and say that without getting slapped by your mom. Okay, it's called pistis. That's how you say it. It's pistis. D don't say it. Um, it's all right. You can say it. It's literally, it's, it's in the Bible, people. Settle down. <laughs> how good is this? Persuade or be persuaded. Properly persuasion. Come to trust. In short, faith for the believer is God's divine persuasion and therefore distinct from human belief or confidence, yet involving it as well. The Lord continuously births faith in the yielding believer so they can know what he prefers, i.e. the persuasion of his will. Faith is always received from God and never generated by us. So, you know, the faith like a mustard seed. I don't know if, the, if anyone's put this over you thinking you don't have enough faith. Faith is a gift from God that he gives us. It's a, it's a divine persuasion that God is who he says he is, that God is the one who heals the sick who brings back what is lost, that this is the faith he gives us in our hearts, this persuasion that is from God, this divine persuasion that he will bring things to pass that he said he would. It's do you just believe the God that we read about? Believe him for, for bringing your family to Jesus. Believe him for healing cancer. Believe him for healing and resurrecting your broken marriage. Believe him for breakthrough in your financial situation. Believe him. Therefore, since is Romans 5. Therefore, since we have made 
been made right in God's sight by faith, by divine persuasion. We have peace with God because of what Jesus Christ, our Lord, has done for us. Because of our faith, Christ has brought us into this place of undeserved privilege where now we stand and we confidently, joyfully look forward to sharing God's glory. You ready? We can rejoice too when we run into problems and trials, for we know that they help us develop endurance. And endurance develops strength of character, and character strengthens our confident hope of salvation. And this hope will not lead to disappointment. For we know how dearly God loved us because he has given us the Holy Spirit to fill our hearts with his love. I didn't tell you the title of my message because I wanted to wait to this point. I got a watch here that I put on every now and then. Um, the time stopped. Um, and so I set the time to, to 8.28 because of Romans 8.28. It's my favorite, one of my favorite verses in the Bible that God turns all things to good for those who love him and are called according to his purpose and his plan. This is the, this is the, the, the grit bit is we are victorious and we declare the things of God. Every time we, we, we come to church, the four songs, we believe every single word on those screens. It's not just to warm you up, to go with the motions of Sunday. We believe every single word. I believe that God is the mover of mountains, the robber of graves, triumphant king, the healer of sickness. This was my stepfather's watch. We lost him uh, about a year and a half ago to ALS. And I remember so many times putting my hand on him going, he's the singing mover of mountains. He's the mover of mountains, robber of graves, triumph of king, the healer of sickness as I'm holding his shoulder, believing for, for that breakthrough. And we prayed for this about two years. And this is not to say that God doesn't heal because God does heal and God will heal. For my situation, I remember this moment that God just spoke to me in my prayer closet. I said, hey, Jared, I kind of need you to shift gears a bit because I'm looking at eternity here. I need you to start praying for his kids who don't know him yet. Pray for, for, for his kids sorry, that don't know God, don't know him yet. And I went, what do you mean? Like, so can we, can we get both in the same hit? That'd be good. Can we just, because no one's ever been miraculously healed from ALS that I know of. It's, there's no cure for it. So I was believing for that. And as soon as God shifted out of my spirit, I just went, you know what? I will be victorious. My family will be victorious because my father is healed in heaven where there's no crying or weeping, no pain, but his kids don't know him yet and I want them to get there. That is so important over the span of eternity that is so much greater and the victory that comes is the character in which God builds in our hearts. I remember watching my stepfather in the last you know, a few months and he was listening to, um, oh, I forget the name of his Hillsong song and my mom walks over to him about walking on water and, um, and she looked at him and she said, you're walking on water right now. Because he never once said anything bad about God. Never once said, how could you do this to me? Uh, uh, a faithful evangelist turning men around from crazy situations, one by one, discipling people to Jesus. Never once ever cursed God. And that is the biggest foundation of victory that I stand on. So powerful. 
So I don't want to just come in here and just, you know, do the, 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 the church side of things. I want you to build a, a, a grit of character and endurance to stand on the foundation of Jesus Christ, that our victory is in Christ. Our victory is the eternal reward of eternal life with Jesus. And we got to have a heavenly perspective when we're praying for things as well. But I believe that there will be breakthrough. Again, I believe that we are called into an era as Christians to understand who we are in Christ, the authority we have in Christ, to declare that people will receive breakthroughs. We've So many people have been healed of cancer right here praying in our prayer moments. Believe it. Believe it. Never stop believing it. Never, ever stop believing it. But believe it regardless of the circumstance in which you find yourself in. Thank you for listening. We pray that this message empowers you to unmistakably influence your world for good and for God. If you made a decision to follow Jesus, congratulations. This is the beginning of a life-changing journey. We would love to see you at one of our many City Point Church services across Brisbane and the world this Sunday. You can find out more about our service times and locations at citypointchurch.com. We're so excited to see you there.